You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Steve Sinkox. It's Tuesday, January 12th. And I appreciate you listening to me whenever and wherever it is that you're taking this in. Uh, we're talking all things TCU athletics. And in this first segment today, I wanted to tackle a topic that I was sort of thinking of throughout the the Monday when I record this, and that's on Monday night, Alabama and Ohio State are facing off. And at the time that I'm recording this, I don't have, uh, you know, I haven't seen the game yet, so I don't have who's won. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. But the two teams that were in the national title game, what separates them and TCU? Like, obviously, there's a pretty big gap there. TCU was 6-4 and four in the Big 12. The Big 12 this year did not have a team in the playoff. Now, I think by the end of the season, Oklahoma was a team that could have competed for a national championship, but because of their early season losses, they didn't play. Didn't get a chance to play in the playoff. What is the difference between an Alabama, between an Ohio State, and between TCU? And the first thing that jumps off the page to me is elite offensive line play. That's what Ohio State and Alabama have, and TCU doesn't. And I think it's mainly in pass protection. In the run game, I actually think TCU's offensive line did a pretty decent job this year. Like They were able to run the ball consistently in just about all their games. Part of that was the O-line's ability to get a push. I think also part of that is because of the offense TCU runs, spreading people out. They did a nice job. The OC and Max Duggan did a nice job of identifying when they were running against a light box, meaning you had less people up near the line of scrimmage, and you say, okay, we're going to run the ball here because the numbers are in our favor. We have more people that can block than they have able to defend You know this initial surge. And then also you have good running backs who are able to get tough yards. I mean, Zach Evans was physical. But in pass protection, TCU struggled all year to have a lot of variety in their pass game. And I think part of that was play calling, but I also think when you run deep pass plays and long developing routes, you need time in the pocket to do those things. And it, it, it felt like most of the deep shots that TCU connected on, one that comes to mind was that big throw that Max Duggan made to Darius Davis in the Oklahoma State game that essentially sealed the victory for them. That was Max making a play outside the pocket and then being able to set his feet and throw. That There weren't many instances where you saw a clean pocket for Max Duggan, aside from games against, you know, Kansas, where he had all day. But most defensive lines that they face, they struggle to protect. Alabama is in five-man protection most of the time. And that's wild. Like, that, it's pretty wild if you can block people up front with five guys, just your five guys, because it means you can do a lot of different things with formations. You can run a lot of different routes. I mean, they'll run routes where they put Devontae Smith on the outside. He runs all the way across the field on like a post or he runs a double move with a post corner or hitch and go. And that all starts with having time to make plays and having time to make throws. So that's the first thing to me as a lead offensive line play. Ohio State the same way. They, they're running the ball against teams like, like against Clemson. And in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern, which I know Northwestern not a great team, but pretty good. Had a good season. Had a good defense. They're running for seven, eight, nine yards of carry. It's insane. Trey Sermon has had like 500 yards in the last few games. And he's just getting six, seven, eight yards a pop before he's even touched. So they're able to really surge with their run game. And then also, offensively, in, in the pass game, 
making big throws to wide receivers, getting uh, the tight end involved, using the tight end to go across the formation and make plays. These are things that these offenses can do that I just don't really feel like TCU feels comfortable doing right now because they can't protect really well. And they've added some transfers. They've added some depth to this offensive line that you hope helps that. But to me, that's the first big thing. And you might be saying, well, it's also got to be elite quarterback play. You know, Ohio State and Alabama, Mac Jones and Justin Fields are elite quarterbacks. And I'll push back on that a little bit. Justin Fields is an elite quarterback. Five-star recruit. Great player. One of the best quarterbacks in the nation. In that, uh, whatever class it was now, uh, sorry, I, I can't remember, but Trevor Lawrence was the number one quarterback and Justin Fields was number two. And he went to Georgia and everybody felt like he was going to be the guy. And then he transfers and ends up at Ohio State and has an amazing career. But Mac Jones, I mean, he's had an amazing season. Like, he he could have won the Heisman Trophy this year. And in previous years, in the last couple of years, Alabama has had elite quarterback play. Tua was an elite QB. Highly rated prospect. Jalen Hurts was an elite quarterback. Now struggled to throw the ball sometimes, but was a big-time QB. But Mac Jones, and obviously before him, sort of the bus drivers that Alabama had, if you put great players around them, you could make the QB look better. And I think TCU, with guys like whether it's Max Duggan or Chandler Morris, they could be a team that is in conference title contention, in the college football playoff contention. Now, if you have an elite quarterback, that's a huge plus because elite quarterback play can make up for a lot of deficiencies. But you can also surround a above-average QB with great talent and still get to the same goal. So I'm not as set on the fact that this team couldn't get it done with the players they have at QB. Now, O-line, that's, that's, that's a personnel issue. And they've added some pieces. They're going to have to add some more. But to me, that's like you've got to get more players and more talented players there. QB, I just think you could win with the guys you have and with the skill talent you have. Zach Evans, Quentin Johnson, hopefully Savion Williams emerges this year. It's just going to take a collective effort. And it's going to take you know allowing whoever it is back there, probably Max Duggan, to stand in the pocket and make throws. So that's sort of on the offensive side of the ball. And I'll go into this in more detail in the third segment because I want to take a chance to watch this game tonight and then we'll circle back in this third segment and discuss more what are some of the differences between Ohio State and Alabama and this TCU team that sort of was middling in the Big 12. But coming up next, let's talk some TCU basketball and we'll do that on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Before we uh, talk some Big 12 hoops, though, let's get into the discussion that y'all want to hear about. I talk about it every day. It's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I don't know if you wagered any money on tonight's national championship game or last night's national championship game, but if you'd like to try to make some money, go to betonline.ag, NFL playoff action coming up this weekend, another full weekend of games, and betonline.ag has you covered. They'll have the prop bets. They'll have the lines for the game, and they also just have the latest sports news. So if you need to know who's in, who's out of a game, who's injured, all these things, 
Uh, go to betonline.ag, and if you use the promo code LOCKEDON when you visit the website, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Try it today. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. The Frogs, they take on Oklahoma tonight at 6.30. Should be a fun matchup. But I wanted to let you hear, we didn't get into TCU in this conversation, but some good Big 12 Hoops conversation with C.J. Moore from The Athletic. This is from my radio show, Unnecessary Roughness, this afternoon. Here's C.J. Moore talking Big 12 Hoops. Uh, man, the Big 12 is, is looking like another conference again, another one of these years where the conference is, is, is basically loaded. These teams are going to beat up on each other. Even teams that aren't as good as each other are still going to just kind of beat up on each other. We saw Baylor and, uh, and TCU over the weekend. They were they were really close until they weren't, but I mean, it was, it was still a very very competitive game but let's start off talking about the Texas Longhorns and and they're playing some really really good ball in conference play right now and and, uh, Texas gave Kansas the business a a couple weekends ago and uh, just had had the best victory in Shaka Smart era there at at Texas what are your thoughts on the Longhorns and can can they keep this train rolling yeah I think so I think Texas is clearly probably the second best team in the league and um, you know the defense is elite they've got few guards and you know Andrew Jones who has an incredible story he hit the big shot the other day but Courtney Ramey and, and Matt Coleman are really really playing well and have have really you know matured and and gotten better and then they have one of the more talented front lines in the country I I love Kai Jones and I, I think he's the most talented big man in this league and he comes off the bench so Shaka's got them playing together and playing hard and I, I think they've just kind of grown up together and um, they're playing at a much higher level than they were just a year ago. We saw today uh, Baylor and West Virginia get postponed. We, we've had postponements uh, across the conference, a few here and there. CJ, I, I know they had that, that buffer week uh, at the end of the season to try to make up some games, but could we also see the league try to um, move some matchups up? So if there are two teams available, that their, their games got canceled because of COVID, that they play each other quickly that week, or, or do you think they'll try to you know just get as many – uh, made up as they can and sort of see where they are at the end of the season man anything is possible <laughs> i um you know ideally it'd be nice if like texas didn't have a game this week and you could just you know hook them up with baylor and they can make up their game and, and you know maybe you'll you'll end up with a situation like that some, at some point but um i i think they'll be able to get them all in somehow some way but, um, you know, it's tough now with Baylor having two to make up. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, CJ, going back to uh, Andrew Jones real quick, you mentioned uh, how he's a, he's a heck of a story, and he definitely is. But uh, now this year he's getting it done on the court as well. Like you said, a big shot that he hit the other day. And where would you put him as far as just ranking him as far as guards go? Uh, you know, obviously in the Big 12, but then just in, in the landscape of college basketball, uh, to me he seems like he's a really, really high-level guard uh, across the, the landscape of the college game. Yeah, he's a. I mean, Andrew's a, a, a really nice player, and and he is. Um, I mean, just the fact that he's playing basketball is in, is incredible. Right. You know, the, the fact that he can even get out there, out there on the floor. Um, you know, I think he's probably there. Like, I think Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey are both probably more important to them what mm-hmm. they do, but what what Andrew gives them is the shooting. Like, um, you know, he's an excellent spot up shooter, and you saw that in, in the game the other day, and. Um, you know, where he ranks, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I don't think he, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say like he's a top 20 guard 
or top, you know, 30, 40 guard, anything like that. But he might be in like the top 50 range. I mean, they've got three really, really good high level guards and um, all three that can shoot and break you down off the dribble and it makes them hard to defend. You mentioned earlier you think Texas is, is the second best uh, team in the league. I know Kansas bounced back nicely with with a couple wins after that loss to UT. Where, where does Kansas sort of fall in the, in the hierarchy for you right now as far as Big 12 teams go? I think it's like a tier of Baylor in Texas, and then Kansas was probably on a tier by themselves, themselves, and then it's probably like Texas Tech, West Virginia, you know, that. Maybe Oklahoma State and and with them, but but I, I think KU is probably the third best team in the league. But it's not by like a wide margin. We'll, we'll, I mean, I I think Tech is probably going to continue to get better as the season goes along, and is going to be a player there. And West Virginia, even though like you know, it's if they would have played Baylor tomorrow, their record likely would have fell to, gosh, what were they going to be in the league? I think they just got two wins. I think they were going to be two and four if they'd have lost to. Um, to Baylor tomorrow, like if they would have played that game, yeah, they'd be two and two and four. So they get a break by having to play that game right now. But I do think they're they're trending upward, like they're getting better. They they had a problem in trying to play. Like Oscar Sheway is a great great player, and losing him sucks. But playing him and Derek Colbert playing together was an issue. If you look at the numbers, the on off numbers for the last two seasons, they were better when just one of those guys played and the other sat the bench. So I think by being able to go smaller and press more and, um, you know, just put more shooting on the floor, they're, they're probably a better team down the road than they'd been if they kept trying to play two bigs. Talking right now with C.J. Moore from The Athletic, talking all things Big 12 hoops. And, and what are your thoughts on Oklahoma, a, a team that can, can light it up, can score a lot, but then it just kind of seems like they're just, they've fallen, not fallen off, off as of late, but just hasn't, haven't been able to play very late the last few times out? <laughs> the schedule is the problem, man. They, they <laughs> Look at their the last four. They've gone Texas Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, and Kansas. And then they go one and three in that during that. But how many teams in college basketball can win even one of those four? So um, you know they're they're fine. Like they're not a bad team. They're good. I, I thought they they played pretty well against Kansas the other day. Um, they were playing without Brady Manick and. Heck, they might be a little bit better defensively when he's not out there. But Brady can score the ball so well, um, you know, you're better you're better off with him. But I, I think they've just you know hit a tough part of the schedule, and it, it lightens up here now for them. They got their next three of TCU, Oklahoma State, K State. So you know they should win at least two out of those three, and they, they've got a they've got a nice team, probably you know sixth, seventh best somewhere in there in the league. Baylor winning all their games uh, by double digits so far. And I know, you know, it looks like we're going to get to see them against Gonzaga. That didn't happen. We haven't seen them against Texas yet and now West Virginia. But, I mean, CJ, have you seen a a formula to beat them yet? It just feels like um, even if a team stays with them for a half or or for ten minutes, they eventually just overwhelm uh, their opponent. Yeah, I I think the only way, you know, to beat them – they, they got to beat themselves almost like if you can maybe get them to play a little selfish sometimes and, and get those guards trying to do it all on their own. Um, and, you know, not maybe not sharing it, but that's maybe like the, the one thing I'd say sometimes they can fall into that trap. Other than that, they've, they got a pretty complete basketball team. 
You mentioned, or we, we mentioned uh, Jared Butler before and how good he is for, for Baylor. We already know that. But, but Macy Oteague, his running mate right back there, uh, he was a guy who had an option, thought about going to the NBA as well. Uh, where would you rank Macy Oteague? How, how good is he after coming off the, the performance he had against TCU? Oh, he's been awesome. And, you know, the thing that um, is cool to see about with, with him this year is coming back from that wrist injury, like you were a little concerned, was he going to shoot it as well? Was he, uh, you know – how would he do early on? But he's he's shooting the ball great. He's efficient. You know, he's been super super efficient. Um, there's there's a lot to like about about Macy Allen. It's it's tough when like you play with two ball dominant guards in Davion and Jared to kind of be that that third guy. You know, that's not always the easiest situation. But you know, while, while I said earlier, they. They, you know, maybe sometimes can get a little selfish. I think they do a pretty good job of sharing it and taking turns between the three of them. And he's been awesome. He's he's, he's had a great start. Yeah, he really has. He had a really good game against uh, TCU. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch as well. Actually, the whole Baylor team is. And CJ, before we let you go, uh, a lot of times we'll see the Big Twelve make a make a nice run and and they'll be playing really good competitive ball and they'll beat each other up all season long and then get into the tournament and they don't make the deepest run uh, in the tournament. Is this a is this a year where you think the Big Twelve, especially the the top guys, you know the the, the Texases, the Baylors, uh, you know Texas Tech, like you mentioned, can those those three in particular make a deep run? Of course, Kansas as well. Yeah, I think any of those those four can make a deep run. I think West Virginia could as well. I think Oklahoma State, you know, if if they are able to um, get, you know, if, if they're eligible, which right. is still up in the air, um, they're another team that, that could be dangerous because they got you know one of the best players in college basketball, in Kate Cunningham, and I think they're starting to to play better as a team as well. So yeah, the the, the Big Twelve's got plenty of teams that they could go on a run this year. I think Baylor and, and Gonzaga are the best two in college basketball. I'd love to see those two play in a national title game. So so we'll see. But, I mean, the tournament's a fickle beast, and you, you never know. But I, I think the, the league's going to have several teams that could go on a deep run this year. That's C.J. Moore from The Athletic talking Big 12 hoops. He does a great job covering the Big 12 from The Athletic. Coming up next, we'll close up shop. I'll hit you with some TCU news. We'll talk about – what separates them from the teams in the national title game. Before that, I want to tell you about Rock Auto. Uh, there's more makes and models than ever, and buying auto parts can be overwhelming. If you're like me and you don't know much about cars, it can be exhausting. What do I need? Am I getting price gouged? Am I getting exactly what I need? Are these people telling me the truth? And that's why I trust Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They'll make it easy for you. It's easy to compare prices, to look at different dealers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can find all the parts you need quickly. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Don't forget to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they'll know where to find you. Locked on Horn Frogs, the final segment. Uh, Steven Simcox here with you. I appreciate you joining me today. This is um, our Tuesday edition of the pod. Coming up tomorrow, we'll break down this TCU basketball game that's going on tonight with uh, with Oklahoma and TCU. So we'll do that and more, and that's going to come up on tomorrow's pod. But right now, want to uh, talk about some TCU news. This came down earlier today, another frog in the transfer portal. I, I don't know if this one's shocking, but it, it's interesting because this guy is a leader of the football team. Um, 
Kelton Hollins. He, he's from Louisiana originally. He's a senior. He just graduated. He's going to be a grad transfer in the fall. And he's decided to uh, move on and play one year of football. He has another year of eligibility. He's going to pursue a doctorate, so best of luck to him. Uh, Hollins was uh, just a huge member of this team, had started some games at that center and guard position, and also sort of spearheaded the in racism campaign uh, that TCU kind of unofficially co-opted throughout the season in the wake of all the, the talk about social justice in the summer. Hollins was instrumental in putting some events on campus to discuss social justice, to discuss the issues of race relations and try to bring people together. Um, he's talked multiple times at Big 12 events. I mean, he's been a, a vocal leader, sort of a face of the team in a lot of ways. But this just seems like uh, a chance for him to go get some more playing time. He wasn't playing a lot. Some younger guys have started to edge him out at that interior offensive line position. So he's decided to move on, and we wish him nothing but the best. Kelton Holland's another TCU player in the transfer portal, uh, lineman who started multiple games, veteran leader, and hope that uh, he does well at his next stop. So I've been watching this national title game. It's actually halftime while I'm recording this, and the topic that I kind of wanted to tackle today is what separates – TCU from the two teams in the national title game, from Ohio State and Alabama. In the first segment, I talked about um, offensive line play that's got to be better. I also discussed how I don't think at the quarterback position they're necessarily as far as some would think. Um, but something that's become obvious to me, and, and I've watched Devontae Smith a lot this year, but Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, he had 215 yards in the first half. And I think TCU has some promising wide receivers, but they don't have anybody like that guy right now. Uh, and they also don't have a coaching staff that I think is putting their playmakers in the best position possible to make things happen. Um, we, we've lamented Doug Meacham and his play calling prowess at times, but when you watch Steve Sarkeesian at, at Alabama, and granted, these guys are incredibly talented, but – the way he moves Devontae Smith all around in different formations, he uses orbit motion where he's got him going one way and then at the snap of the ball, he goes a completely different direction. He lines him up in the slot so that when he runs a post pattern or a crossing pattern, all of a sudden he's matched up on a linebacker. I mean, these are things that it just feels like are missing from the TCU offense right now, that ability to create mismatches via scheme, to scheme things up in a way that your best players are in favorable matchups, even though defenses are going to try to uh, bring a lot of attention to them. And that's something they're going to have to find out how to do because Quentin Johnson's not going to be a secret next year. Like, he's not going to sneak up on anybody. He already stands out because he's so big and physical, but he's not going to get one-on-one matchups time and time again. They have to find a way to get him the ball that's not just him running a deep route or him running a fade route and going up and making a play on a 50-50 ball. You have to scheme him open and put him in opportunities to make plays. So, I mean, I think at that receiver position, um, there's obviously some room for improvement there. But the bigger thing to me is your play callers and your coaching staff finding ways to get the ball to your guys in space and allowing them to make plays. Um, that That's the bigger key than, than the talent level itself. And then defensively, uh, you know, I don't really think they're that far off. You know, linebacker and secondary play could be better, but I think the corners for TC are going to be great next year. I mean, I can't say enough about Trey Tomlinson and Noah Daniels and Keon Stewart 
and C.J. Caesar and the potential you have there with four legit corners. I mean, four corners on that roster that have played significant uh, games and, and played significant minutes and have started uh, for, you know, majority of the season. That That's massive. And that's something that I think is going to come up next season and, and be a big asset for this team is their ability to just cover guys um, on the outside and make plays in the secondary. But the biggest difference, I, I believe, between this TCU team on defense and the teams that are in the national title game is dominant defensive line play. And, and you saw the D-line play improve as the year went on. Early in the season, it was a huge Achilles heel for this team. And as the year went on, it got better. But O'Shawn Mathis and Kyrie Coleman um, are, are going to have to be the guys that step up. And I have some concerns about Kyrie and his size, I, I just I wonder if he can really bulk up because he's a pretty thin pass rusher right now. And, I mean, that's fine. He's got speed. He's going to use his speed to get around the edge, and that's how he's going to make plays. But can he bulk up enough to get to a place where he can be a really effective run stopper along with making plays, you know, on the quarterback and the drop back pass game? That'll be a huge key for next season. No, Sean Mathis, I think, quietly had a really good year. Now, he still has a tendency to show up against teams that are not the best. You know, his best games were Texas Tech, Kansas, Baylor. When he faced offensive lines that weren't very good, he he made things happen. And when he had matchups where, you know, things were more even or, or players were possibly better than him, and he struggled to, to get a grip, and he struggled to find a way to make his presence felt. But those are some of the main differences I saw. You know, I think there are positions like running back um, in the secondary, even the linebackers, even though they're a little unproven, where the difference is not stark. But offensive line and, and receiver, and then the quarterback play has got to be better, and they've got to find a way. The coaching staff has to find a way to get their playmakers the ball and give them opportunities to make plays because that's what Alabama is doing tonight as, as they take on Ohio State. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs. Appreciate you joining me today. This is the Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.